Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. And all rescue and perfect comes from You are the heart of my contentment, hope for all I do, Lord Jesus, you're the center of my joy. If you believe it, sing it from your heart, Lord Jesus, you're the center of my joy. If you believe that, sing it with joy. All that's good. And all that's good and perfect comes from you, Lord. You are the heart of my contentment. Hope for all I do, oh Jesus, you're the center of my joy. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to honor you, to bless you, to glorify you, to worship you, to serve you, and to hear from you. Thank you for the entire month of September. This is about the third. We've entered the third week plus as we approach the end of this month. Lift your two hands, everybody. Say, I return the glory and the honor for the month of September you have been good and your faithfulness endures forevermore in Jesus name now father as we hear your word I pray that you will illuminate our understanding you will give us revelation knowledge you will take the scales away from our eyes let yokes be destroyed let burdens be lifted up and let the name of Jesus be glorified. We we'll pray that each and every one that have stepped into this place today will have an encounter with you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all of God's people say good amen. Hallelujah. Please have your seats. Now just a few announcements. And uh, please let's try to minimize the movement. Um, so a few announcements. Um, our fitness day comes up on the 9th of October. I've told Mommy and Pastor Victor they're nominating there are 20 members of our church from the men, the women, the youth that will act as ambassadors, health ambassadors. Your job is to follow up some people in church towards the fitness day, which is October 9th. It will be here by 8. 
get your, your sneakers or your canvas, everybody should have, and put on your tracksuit. We're going to be here. We are hiring a consultant to come and take us one hour of aerobics. All right? So everybody should be here. So we should start preparing towards that. We have like just barely two weeks plus towards that. And it is mandatory for everybody to be that. We're going to be announcing the names of those health ambassadors. Your job will be following all that. You'll be giving people in church to follow and to make sure they come with you that day for the exercise. So start preparing. Amen. See, I can do it. Yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Praise the Lord. So it's coming very close. Also, our convention is coming up November 19th, 20 and 21st. Uh, 21st, we're going to be having a night of Judah concert celebration by 4 p.m. And it's going to be an interesting time. The theme of this year's convention is better things that accompany salvation. You need to, you need, you need to listen to the message. It will bless you and it will change your life. Um, so to that effect, as we normally do, everybody you know, makes a, a pledge towards the program to redeem that. And I want to say something. Um, when we ask you to pledge, we're not talking to your pocket, we're talking to your feet. Is that clear? Did you hear what I said? Yeah, because some of you are still controlled by your pocket. Your pocket is not your source. God is your source. And when God's hand is upon you, everything around you will speak in Jesus' name. So that, that's why everybody should be part of it. Don't, don't say, I don't have much. The moment you talk like that, you invite and acknowledge lack into your life. And don't do that. The essence of the meeting is to, to, to reach out to life, to see life saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So if you were not in church last Sunday, uh, towards the end of the meeting, we're going to take a pledge for those who have not pledged towards the meeting. Write what you want to give. Set in your heart what you want to give. Um, I think the budget is 829000 or so. Yeah. So write whatever you want to give. Put your name and your number and submit it at the end of the meeting. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. Then also Tuesday is 28th of September. Is that not so? And that will be the birthday of uh, mommy in the house. Her birthday is 28th of September. Hallelujah. Yeah. So I want you to pray for her. Um, next Sunday, maybe we'll do one or two just small things just to appreciate her and thank God for her. Praise the Lord. I hope you know the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing, the way I'm doing it is because of her support. I hope you know that. There's nothing as horrible as a pastor mind a devil. Trust me. It's horrible. Uh, there was a pastor that was pastoring a church and he had a troublesome wife. The woman had an uncontrollable temper and whenever they had misunderstanding she would take it out on the church. And one day she did something terrible that made the church split. She came to church and after they had an argument and the man lost his temper, which was wrong, and slapped her. So while he was preaching, he walked into church and she waited for the man to start preaching. As the man, as he, she entered, they were leading her to where she was sitting. She came to the front of the church and stripped naked. The whole church scattered, and that was how the church shut down. So when you tell me that there are some devils, there are devils. All right, so thank God for her. Amen? Okay, so those are the three most important announcements. Are you ready for the word? You didn't sound like you are. I say, are you ready for the word? Also, let me, uh, before I forget, yes. Uh, the men had uh, um, 
a dinner meeting yesterday and, and it was successful. Can we put our hands together for them? Hallelujah. Those of us that was here, those of us that was here, can you clap, please? Everybody clap. Hallelujah. Some of you need to learn what they call the gift of appreciation. When they say clap, you just behave as if you are not there. The, the, what they had yesterday was, was powerful, praise God. And um, I commend them for that. I pray it grows in Jesus' name. So we appreciate them for hosting a very successful dinner meeting. I'm also looking forward to the women. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Okay, are we ready for the word? You don't sound, is the rain getting to you? You know, we've passed beyond the stage, whether if it's, it rains or not. It doesn't affect me and God and coming to church. Some of us are still being held back by the flesh. So when it rains, say, I didn't come to church because it rained. We've passed that in Jesus' name. Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay, we've been talking about the lifestyle of faith. In the series on preparation. All right. And I started by laying three important foundations. I call them faith caution. These are mentalities you must be aware of and avoid. And if for any reason you are thinking like that, get rid of them. Second Corinthians chapter 10 says in verse 5, it says, casting down what? Imagine. Everybody say imaginations. What are imaginations? Imaginations are reasonings. They are way of thinking. A man is a product of his thinking. Are you listening to me? You are a product of how you think. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So you need to be careful. Because if how you think is not established on the truth, it will resist your relationship with God, and your spiritual progress. There are ways many believers are thinking that is resisting their spiritual progress. When what you believe is wrong, what you think will be wrong. Is that not true? That's the truth. So you need to guard your heart. And Satan is working night and day to corrupt the minds of men so that they will not think in line with God's word. So we, we, we established three cautions. The first one we said, if we're going to walk by faith, and this applies to each and every one of us. Number one, we must not see our faith like a spare tire. Is that not true? Or an emergency button, uh, emergency thing you use, button you press when you have a crisis. For some of us, we only see the need to believe God when we are in trouble. That is wrong. Usually it will be too late. People who behave that way, if it's a life or death situation, the situation usually results in death. Why? Because there's no foundation. You, you cannot just, maybe there's war, the natural, give you a weapon, say, go and fight. Can you fight? First of all, do you know how to use the gun? Do you know how to put the bullets? Do you know how to duck? Do you know how to shoot? Do you know how to aim? So you can't start a, you can't fight a battle on the day of a battle. You prepare before the battle so you can always win the battle. Is that not true? All right, so believing God is a lifestyle, and we're going to see more of that. Then number two, we said faith, or believing God, or walk, believing God's word, um, does not deny our feelings. We have feelings, because feelings, it's the voice of our body. Our body has the capacity to feel. Faith doesn't mean 
we deny our feelings or our reasoning, which is an activity of our mind, but faith does not consult it for it to what? To function. So that means if you're going to walk by faith, you are not going to walk by how you feel. You're not going to walk by how you reason. Say amen. amen. Are you listening to what I'm saying? When you walk by faith, you walk by only what God's word says. Your feeling usually most of the times will almost never agree with your faith. And as well as the way you reason or the way you think. And we went to God's word and found that why. We said when Adam sinned against God, something happened to the human body and the human mind that has introduced a condition to the human body known as vile. Is that not so? Yeah. The body has acquired a liability of disobedience and rebellion. As a result of the former nature we had before we got saved. So the day you got born again, your spirit, the real you, because this is not you. This is your body. You are living in your, your body is the house of your spirit. So the day you got born, many of you still think you are this one. You are not a body. God is a spirit. And since we're made in his image and after his likeness, we're spirit being, living in the physical body. So when you got born again, the real you in you became new creation. But salvation is applied to your mind, your will and emotion as a process. Because your soul is the learning part of you. And like I said last Wednesday, you cannot cast out bad thinking. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? You see, to cast out bad thinking is to hijack your will. Because every thought a man engages is an act of his will. Whatever you think is what you choose to think. Do you understand that? Did you hear me? Because what you think is what you choose to think. Every thought is a choice. Alright? So, for, for I cast out bad thinking. It's like saying that you are a robot. I can just press reset and delete everything in your mind. It doesn't work that way. Some of you, some of the bad habits you have, it took you six years to, to develop it. Bad habit of talking wrongly. Bad habit of stubbornness. Some of you we learned it from when you were small. Maybe you grew up in a home where there was so much rejection. And so you developed stubbornness as, as, um, as a weapon to survive. Unfortunately, that weapon is doing damage to your relationship with God. So you have to unlearn it. Renewing the mind is unlearning things that are not helpful to our work with God and our Christian life. And, and it takes humility to do that. Because those things we've learned that has become part of us, they have made personal claims to our life. And until we allow the truth of God's word renew our mind, those things won't live. They will still continue to demand their right and their dues in your life. So your Bible says we must cast down such imagination. How do we do that? Through the renewing of the mind. Say amen. Are you hearing me? You have to keep hearing God's word, meditating on the word, confessing the word of God. So you can reprogram your mind. The mind is reprogrammable. You can reprogram the mind. Praise the name of the Lord. So we said if we're going to walk by faith, we must learn to dominate our feelings by controlling our body and we must renew our mind, allow the word of God to renew our mind so we can subdue our reasoning. Because our reasoning by default is selfish, disobedient, and will not want to obey God. As a matter of fact, Paul said something that is so powerful. Um, Go to James chapter 1, verse 21, quickly. I'm going to read King James Version. Then I'm also going to read uh, Waymont New Testament translation to make you aware, 
Because many of us are not aware. Your background has programmed a lot of things in your mind. Where we all come from, the differences in culture and upbringing has programmed certain uh, mindset into our mind. And to a great extent, they influence the way we perceive ourselves and the way we do things. So you must be aware of that because the Word of God says that. But in addition to, those, uh, to that, the former nature we had has also programmed things into our mind. Then the falling system you and I deal with. The system of this world is a falling system. All right? So with education, it also introduces liability. Because some people can get so educated that they become so proud and they feel that they don't need God. I hope you know that. There are some scientists that they believe the truth, they know so much that they don't need God, that God is not sensible. In fact, what they say is that the concept of God is, doesn't make sense. So they, they, they talked about God as an academic branch of knowledge, concept of God. See, that, that's part of the system. If you grow up in an environment where the knowledge of God is not known, you're going to pick up stuff. And this is what the Bible says, James 1.22, are you there? Look at what he says, which is very vital. He says, wherefore, lay apart. The word lay apart means put aside all filth. Everybody say filth. What is filth? Debt. Is that not so? Everybody say dirty thinking. Mm-hmm. Filth. Any thinking that is rooted in sin is dirty thinking. Any thinking that is rooted in poverty is dirty thinking. Any thinking that is rooted in sickness and disease is dirty thinking. Anything, any, any, any kind of thinking that does not submit to God's word is dirty thinking. It was when Eve started listening to Satan that the enemy began to plant filth into the mind. Eve never knew how much filth she collected from Satan by just that simple discussion he had with the devil. Hello? Are you here? Are you listening to what I'm saying? That's why you need to be careful. Look at your neighbor and say, watch what you read. Look at your neighbor and say, watch what you read. Say, watch what you read. Watch what you watch. Watch what you hear. Get out of your, get up from your feet. Some of you, just remain standing for no one minute, everybody. Hallelujah. See, you need to watch what you hear. Just one small conversation that probably didn't last up to five minutes change the human race. Just one small conversation between Satan and Eve. Very small conversation. Light conversation. Did God say you should not eat of what is in the garden? Say no. God says we can eat of everything, but what is in the middle of the garden, we shouldn't eat it. That the day we eat of it, we will die. He said, no, you will not die. God knows that the day you eat of it, you will become like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. He said, really? And she left. He just suggested it and left. That was it. But unknown to Eve, that line of reasoning Satan gave to her was a filth. That filth was meant to corrupt her reasoning. And she fell for it. What are you listening to? Who are you talking to? Who do you call your friend? Some of us were so insecure that we, we want people to like us. 
you know, we are battling with rejection, so we want people to become our friend, so that we can feel accepted and belong. That we don't even let the Holy Ghost lead us and guide us to who we pull very close. Because everybody you bring close represents an influence. They've been listening to something. You don't know the kind of filth that they have gathered. It's one day you'll be talking to them, then they'll just say one thing. Ah, I remember the woman who I used to counsel then. Their marriage broke up. Why? She didn't know that the husband, from when she married, you know, she said, she remembered, there were two people that came for her. And when she prayed, the Holy Spirit showed that one other guy. But this other guy was not as wealthy as this other one. The wealthy one had had this way with the parents. So the parents were putting pressure that you should pick that one. But she had restraint and the Holy Spirit said no. But she said the parents wanted it. You know mothers now. You know, uh, you don't want us to, you know, this day. They prevailed on her. She married the guy. She had her first three children. They were all girls. No son. But he never knew the man had an issue with having a son. That's why I talked about filth. One of the reasons we need to be led by the Spirit is that you don't know the kind of filth that is in people's mind. You don't know. You don't know how people think. One day, told the wife that they should travel um, towards the village side. And she said, okay, no problem. They went. When she was telling me the story, it was like one horror African magic. I was listening, my mind, because I have a very active imagination. He said, so Gina said, okay, like, told the wife, let us go and stop somewhere. When we stop somewhere, we just want to see somebody. Then from there, we'll go to the hotel. She said, okay. She was with her husband. There was nothing to be afraid of. They drove into one road like that, and they kept going. They kept going. They kept going. Finally, they got to one place where there was like a hut, one small hut that was there. And um, Ina told her, I said, please come. So where are we going? Say, no, he said, there's somebody we want to see. So he opened the door. As soon as he opened the door, he just pushed the wife inside and locked the door. So when the wife entered, we're like, what is this? Then he said he saw one very short man came out, and another one came out, and they started flogging her. Then he should take off her clothes. Ah, she said, no. As they were flogging, she said, banging the door. The husband kept quiet. She started screaming, Jesus, Jesus. Once she would say, Jesus, the, the short man said, come on, stop calling that name here. So she was running around the house. I'm talking about the husband to a wife. She was shouting, Jesus, running around the house. So at a point, they found out whatever they wanted to do didn't work. So they opened it and they pushed her out. That's after she had received several... Floggings. Everybody say floggings. What yeah, part of body? She had marks everywhere. When she gets, she started screaming. So the rest, the husband said, "What's the problem? What's the problem? Are you okay? Are you okay?" So she started screaming. Why did you bring me here? She started begging her, begging her. Carried her. It's okay. We we'll leave. We we'll leave. I don't know why I carried her there. Whatever they said. She said she cried from the car to the um, to the hotel room. Then I asked her one question. I said, "After all this happened, did you report to your parents or to your family people?" He said, no. I said, why? He said, my husband begged me. I said, what? I said how, did she beg? how did he beg you? He said, he was crying. was crying. I said, so he was crying. Then something that could have killed you, you kept quiet. He said, yes. Ah. I said, that's a bad silence. Everybody say bad silence. Some people, because of the way they are thinking, they have what I call bad silence. I said, you could have died. He didn't stop. You know what broke it for her? She was going through the husband's clothes one day and saw 
an amulet that belonged to an occultic group. That was when she like, ah, I married somebody that is in the occult. And the guy comes to church and prays like some of you here. Everybody say bad thinking. Filth, sit down. Please, no sleeping. Hallelujah. All right. Um, James 1.21. He said, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and what? And what? You know what superfluity is? Abundance of what? Naughty. Everybody say naughty. You know when something is naughty? You know when something is naughty? Depravity has a tendency to be very bad. Some people are naughty. We all have a level of naughtiness in us. And receive, watch this, and receive with what? Humility or meekness, the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. The translation of the word soul here is your mind, your mind, principally your mind. Say to your neighbor, your mind needs to be saved. Say, look at somebody and say, your mind needs to be saved. That salvation is what is called renewing the mind. Say amen. Let me read another translation from you from Weymouth. James 1.20. It says, reading, or getting rid of, reading yourself thereof, of all that is vile. You see, same thing that happens to the body. And of the evil influences which prevail around you. Many people, because of how they grew up, where they grew up, what they went through, have acquired filth in their mind. Some of these filth are regulated by demonic spirit. Let me show you one more scripture, then I go where I want to go. Go to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. And I'll go where I would, I'll talk about the last caution and we'll move on. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Make sure you open your Bible. Don't wait for the screen. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. What did he say? He says, but I fear or I am afraid all right? I'm, I think I'm using New King James. But I fear, I'm afraid, Paul speaking, he was referring to what happened to Eve. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve. Hey, when we read um, Genesis 3 and Satan was talking with Eve, did Satan tell Eve, I am deceiving you? Did he say that? No. But yet the Bible says he deceived. So that exchange... They had that reasoning she had with the devil was a deception. I fear less as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So your minds may be corrupted from what? From the simplicity that is in Christ. Satan wants you not to make sense to knowing God, to praying to reading your Bible, to witnessing, to meditating on the word of God, to doing anything spiritual. He does not want you to make sense to it. So he plants different agents of corruption through some home videos, through some movies. They'll make some statement, not knowing that when the producer or whoever wrote the script of the movie was, you know, going through his thinking, Satan planted some lies in the movie. And those, those statements will now become cliche or languages people will begin to say. And because everybody is saying it and you didn't think through it, you too say it. And as you're saying it, the filth that is loaded in it 
will be downloaded into your mind and your mind will become corrupt. Listen to this. The devil does not want the simplicity. God offers simplicity. Man and Satan offers complex. Did you hear what I said? What the devil does is to try to make you think that God gives you complex. Serving God is complex. Following God, complex. Praying, complex. Hearing the word of God, complex. Going to church, complex. Like, like as it's raining now, it will make you feel, and it's a thinking. That, why will I, it's raining now, if somebody to come to church, I come and start sleeping. What do I do? Let me just watch television or watch some movie or video. So you just cuddle inside your blanket, put on African magic, and magic your life away. And you don't even know that your mind has been polluted. Or let me make it another way. You're a student, and there's this subject. Before the subject started, corruption was already flying around. That this lecturer is a very difficult lecturer. That's corruption. Number Corruption number two. Nobody passes this course. Corruption number three. And not only passes, nobody makes A. Corruption number three. And you are a student in school. Once you believe that, you will fail. If you don't fail, you make D or C. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's corruption. Okay? The devil does not want the simplicity that is in Christ to influence the mind or reasonings of men. He wants believers to reason outside the simplicity of God's word. He wants you to feel that you've got it. That you can take care of yourself. You know what to do. You are a very sharp person. That you can do it. You need to believe in yourself. That's why you need to filter some of these motivational messages you listen to. Anything that puts you in the center will destroy you. Because the Bible says there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end of it are what? Are the ways of death. The theme of the men's program is the confident man. And I told them yesterday, I said the true confidence that lasts and stands is the one that is in God. Proverbs 3.26. He said, let the Lord be your confidence. And we saw from Job 31, 24 to 28, that those who make their wealth, their confidence, they don't last. Is that not true? Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay. Caution number three. Everybody say caution number three. If you're going to walk by faith, because faith is the language of God, faith is the language of God. So if you're going to communicate with God and walk with God, it has to be by faith. So you need to understand, walking by faith is believing God and it's your life. Hallelujah. It's your life. Amen. So write this down. Number three, caution, mindset you must deal with. Faith is not, I'm going to cut, shock some of you this morning. Faith is not seen before you believe. Did you hear what I said? Uh-huh. Some of us, unknown to us, that's what we think about faith. If I see, if I see, talk not do. Once I see him, then I know so you get up. That's not God. Though. God doesn't work that way. Faith is not seen before you believe. We can extend it. Faith is not feeling before you believe. Faith is not reasoning before you believe. If Peter wanted to reason what Jesus told him, when he says, launch out into the deep and put your net in the water, he wouldn't have believed God. Is that not true? If, is it not true? Are you here? 
If Peter wanted to think about what Jesus said, he wouldn't have believed God. If Peter wanted to see some form of evidence or proof that what Jesus told him to do will happen, would he have believed Jesus? No. He said, I have toyed all night, nevertheless, at your word. I will do what? I will let down the net. No evidence, no proof except what Jesus said. Either you take his word and believe it, or you use your brain to try to analyze. What's the sense here? The last time I checked, in all the history of fishing and the education of fishing and the experience of fishing, we don't fish during the day. What's the rationale or the sense of taking a boat to the middle of the water in the daytime and putting the net in the corner? Why is it that corner? Why is it that place? Hello? Would anything ever happen? Nothing. Remember the name that was a leprous man? He went to see the prophet and he said, the prophet didn't even allow him to come into the house. He sent the servant, he said, go and tell him, go to Sososo River, go and dip in the river. How many times? Seven times. The man got angry. His brain kicked in. Does he know, I am the, who is the highest military, um, what do they call the, no, not general, I mean the name they call, is he chief of defense or something? Is it chief of defense staff or some the head of military, the highest military man, chief of army staff? Thank you. You can imagine a hey, homie, chief of army staff. Do you know how many battles that I've won? Oh, yeah, cure yourself. Abby, if it's experience, cure yourself. The prophet doesn't fight war. You didn't go and meet him because you wanted to find out how to fight. You went there because you needed help. Is that not true? And he told you what the help is. But his brain kicked and he got angry. He felt his ego got bruised. His pride got hurt. One of the reasons many of us are not believing God is because of our pride. We want to have our way. And the word of God is not your way. The word of God is God's way. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Faith is God's way, not your way. That's why when you believe God, you don't walk according to your way. You walk according. And God's way never makes sense. He said, go seven times. So the, the lady that was one of the maids, uh, Master, ah, why are you the verse? He didn't tell you to do anything. I go to one with it. Don't be seven times. He said, but why did he not tell me? The other better river. Even the one he said I should go and do is the dirtiest of all the river. That's your business. So it's your brain that's talking. The word says, go deep there. And he went there. First time, nothing happened. Second time, nothing happened. Third time, what did the word say? Seven. The Bible said, when he came out after the seventh time, his skin became like that of a brand new baby. Hallelujah. Faith is not seen before believing. Also, faith is not feeling before believing. Some of you want to feel before you believe. It is, write this down. Faith is a lifestyle, write it down. It's a lifestyle of believing God's word. Hallelujah. Now, the general cliche is that faith is not seen to believe, but it's believing to see. Uh-uh. We are the one that added the seed to it. I will show you what Jesus said. Hello? Did you hear what I said? I was meditating on it. And you know, I've been saying that. You, if you want to see, but no, no. Faith is, you will definitely see. 
But the reason you are believing is not because you want to see. The reason you are believing is because God's word is enough and it's all the proof that you need. When you think like that, you think right. Let me show you. Go to John 20, everybody. Quickly, John 20. And let me show you from scripture the scenario that happened in this passage of the Bible. How Thomas was affected when Jesus had appeared. Now keep in mind, everybody, that Jesus had told them in Matthew 16 that he would go to Jerusalem, he will be arrested, he will be punished, and he will be killed. But on the third day, he will do what? He will rise. He said it. The 12 disciples heard it, including Thomas. Jesus had a gruesome death. He had to suffer the way he did because of me and you. He was nailed on the cross because of me. He died the most shameful, gruesome, terrible death because of me and you. He chose that form of death because that was the worst kind of death. It's shameful. And everything he did was for me and you. Say amen. amen. But he was buried. On the third day, he rose. The people had fears that he was going to rise. So have you ever heard that they bury a man after dying? Then they will not send soldier to go and guard grave. Have you seen that one before? Have you ever heard that kind of thing before? That's weird. The argument they did, even though they were scared to say it, was that let us guard it so that the disciples will not say, you know, that they will not come and steal the body and they said somebody that he rose from the dead. As if guarding the place can stop Jesus. When it was time for him to rise, did he rise? He did. And the way he rose, the Bible said, all of a sudden, one angel just came, one, only one. Descended from heaven, landed, and sat on the stone. Rolled the stone and sat on it. And God gave all the soldiers the gift of designing of spirit. Their eyes were opened, and they saw into the spirit realm. Every one of them, they were saved, because angels are spirits. So they saw the angel as he rolled the stone away and sat on the stone. And lo and behold, these disciples who probably took part, some of them must have taken part in the execution where Jesus was killed. And they knew he was dead because they've been killing criminals. So before they buried him, they knew he was dead and they had embalmed him. So if you know he was faking, the embalmer could have killed him too. They saw him die and they saw him laid in the grave. Lo and behold, as the stone opened, guess who came out? The same one who died on the cross three days ago walked out of the grave and came out. The Bible said, and the soldiers were as dead men. If it were you, what do you think? Will you not faint? God gave them grace not to faint. He gave them grace to stay alive. They were so immobilized that they could not move. Jesus came out and boom, he left. As Jesus left, they left. They took off. Ran to the army commandant. Okay? What we saw there today, eh? not only me, did you see? We all saw it. You saw it. What happened? By the time they told them, they knew this was the downfall of the Roman Empire. Because if this story gets out, that means everything is finished. So, they now say, okay, we're going to come. We will give you guys money. We will bribe you. Make sure 
don't, if anybody asks you what happened, go and tell them that the disciple came and stole. But how will that story fly? Disciples were not military people. Did they, would they have um, defeated them? Because if they were, why are they there? So how would the disciple, because they placed, they placed the, if you read the Bible, the kind of military people they placed on the grave were one of the best. More or less like commandos. So they were special elite units. They were not just anyhow, you know, there's police and there is police. How many of you know what I mean by that? Eh? You know what I mean? There is police and there is, there is police. If you see real police, you see police. Then if you see the one that is police, big, that one can't even run itself. The only time they run, they see they are bored, then they are running away for their life. So the kind of military people they put there were elite forces, special forces, specially trained. They were trained to kill and take out anybody. Why did they plant them there? So that if anybody comes close, they had the instruction, kill at sight. They didn't have guns, so I would have said shoot at sight. They don't kill. So if you come, either they use sword to take you out or they kill you on the spot. But what this elite forces saw was bigger than their military experience and ability. They saw the man who died three days ago walk out of the grave. That does not happen. So even after they bribed them, you and I know that uh, they didn't keep their mouth short, have Because if they did, we will not hear the story now. Anyway, so the disciples were all hidden in one room. They were afraid. They didn't know. They've not heard that this time Jesus had come. So while they were there, Thomas went out to do some things. And Jesus showed up. All the disciples, they almost freaked out. Ah! They thought they were seen. You know, the first time the thing almost collapsed there was when he was walking on top of water. Jesus had a way of throwing some interesting surprise. Can you imagine the storm going on? Everybody was thinking they were going to die. Then all of a sudden, yes, somebody taboo, 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 taboo. Then he comes and says, hey, hi guys. If it's you, what will happen to you? Hey, you say, hey, hi. That means he was a very jovial person because the way the Bible says, hey, be of good chance, me. That means, hey, hi guys, how are they? How are they? <laughs> both will sink. When they try to save both and our life, then somebody comes and says, how are they? The Bible says they panicked. That is, they were so scared. Like, so it don't finish. We don't come, we don't finish. This is the end. Then he said, hey, hey, it's me, it's me. He says, it's, it's you. Peter said, okay, if you should let me to come and meet you. And you know what happened. So at this time, Jesus came. They were scared. And they were like, yes, okay, do you have food here? He said, yes, give me the food. So he ate it and they saw him eat. That was when their mind came down. But let's look what happened. Verse 24, John 20, verse 24. Are you there? John chapter 20. Remember we said, faith is not seen before you believe. That's why many are not receiving from God. They want to see. What does it mean to see? I'm going to explain that. Is it just with the physical eye? Just hold on. So you understand what faith is all about. John 20, 24. Are you there? What did he say? But Thomas, everybody say Thomas. One of the twelve called Didymus was not with them when Jesus came. Verse 25. The other disciples therefore said unto him, this is after Jesus had left, okay? We have seen the Lord. Hello. What did they say? 
We are what? We've seen the Lord. Then, then Thomas said, hey. he said, the Bible said, but, then whenever you use the word but in English language, it's because you want to speak from another side. Is that not so? Different from what is, whatever has been said. He said, but he said unto them, except I shall see. Everybody say see. In his hands, the print of the nails. Thomas was very, very descriptive. That means he saw what happened to Jesus. He saw how they nailed him to the cross. Today is alive. Which alive? I'm sure you guys have seen visions. He said, okay, you say it's alive. Okay, no problem. Except I see the print of the nails. That means the hole that the nails made on print of the nails. And not, not only see you, I will put my finger. <laughs> Look at what Thomas said. I will. I will. <laughs> like, more or less, he was like mocking them. Because you, you know when you want to tell somebody something impossible to, 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 to do or to happen? You say you saw him, eh? Okay. Let me see him. When I see him, then that thing, that nail hole, I will took my finger inside and make sure that I see him. <laughs> Into the print of, not only that, oh, he understood that they also trust the side of Jesus with a spare while he was on the cross to confirm he was dead. So even if Jesus was faking death, by the time they stabbed him with the spare by the side that brought out um, blood and what? And water, that could have kept, because the thing would have gone, punctured the sack of his heart. That's why the thing came out, the fluid came out. So he was surely dead. He said, except, <laughs> listen, and thrust my hand. You know what trust my hand? <clears throat> I'll put it this side like this, that's trust. Trust my hands into his side. I will not believe. What kind of story people are telling me? Come on, go and sit down. Okay, go to verse 27. Go to verse 27. I can imagine them say, uh, can I try to insult my intelligence. What do you mean? We were, we were all there when he died. We were there when they buried him. We were there when they closed the tomb. Ah, the man don't die. Well, let's let this go. It was a good thing while it lasted. Let's leave this thing. So 27. This time Jesus had come and Thomas was there. For time's sake, 27. Then Jesus was say, hey, Thomas! He said, reach your finger! Say you wanted to pass the... Say, reach your finger... And behold my hands. And reach it out thy hands. And Jesus used this word, thrust it by my side now. <laughs> so he said, You wanted to thrust it. He said, Put it by my side. Check whether it's there. The Bible said, Thomas did it. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, And be not, you are not trying to be tough. If you talk to an intelligent man, a natural man, you would have said that Thomas was trying to be reasonable. Thomas was trying to be proper. Thomas was trying to be factual. Is that not so? Is that not so? No, what we say? Thomas, I mean, the man was trying, I mean, they just went through a very traumatic experience and the man just wants to make sure that he's be very factual, his, 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 his head is in place. But Jesus said, Thomas, be not faithless. So the way Thomas was reasoning was a faithless way of what? Reasoning. The Greek word for faithless means unwilling to believe. That's what it means. Thomas, stop being faithless, but believing. Go to verse 28. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord 
And my God, you saw power, then you believe. You saw somebody got healed, then you believe. You heard that somebody's needs were met. That means it did work. God says you are being faithless and not believing. You want to see. And that's why many of us get very frustrated when we walk with God. Because we want to see. Pastor, if you say this thing is working, why am I not seeing it? Why things not they change? Why things not they happen? My brother, God not they work like that. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? God does not work like that. Listen to what Jesus said. And this tells you how God works. Verse 29. Are you there? And Jesus said, our Lord said to him, Thomas, because you have seen, that word seen, write this down. Let me tell you what it means. And if you are there, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you get out of that place. That's the reason things are not changing in your life. That's the reason the breakthroughs are not coming. That's the reason things are not moving. He said, because you have seen, write this down. That word seen, are you ready for this? Means to become aware by any of the senses. That's the Greek word. I don't want to bore you with the Greek name, but in English, the word seen, S-E-E-N, is much more than looking with your biological eyes. The Greek word for seen, what Jesus meant, said, because you have seen me. Hello? That word seen means to become aware by any of the senses. You remember the description Thomas said? He said, except I touch. Is that not so? I see, I touch, I thrust, I will not believe. Jesus said, Thomas, you are only believing me because you become aware of me by your physical senses. You can feel me now. You can you're not only touching, seeing me, you can touch me. Now you are believing because you can see me, you can touch me. Thomas, you're being faithless. If you want to see before you believe, you are faithless. So because you've seen me, you believe. But he said, but you believe. But say blessed. Somebody say blessed. Yeah. Write that word blessed. You know what it means? It means to be supremely distinguished. That means you're not on the same level of everybody. The moment when the Bible uses the word to describe the word blessed for you, it's a very powerful word. It means to be dis supremely distinguished or favored. Faith is a favored zone. So when you operate by faith, you operate by favor. Do you understand that? Did you hear what I said? That's what Jesus is saying. He said, but blessed are those, those, talking to those who have not seen or become aware. Do you know this Bible, this written scripture, is as powerful as the physical presence of Jesus? Say amen. Because the Bible and Jesus is one. I don't have to see Jesus appear to me to believe him. I don't need it. Now, if he does that, praise God. But just because he appeared doesn't make it more powerful. It is already powerful. What his word says is already powerful. The problem with it, you know what Jesus said about the Sadducees? He said you are a sign-seeking generation. You are looking for a sign. And you know what he called them? He said you are an evil and adulterous generation seeketh for what? A sign. God is a faith God. 
You want to walk with him? His word. You must learn to train yourself to accept his word as enough. Are you hearing me? Train your feeling. Train your reasoning. If God said it, it is enough. Am I making any sense? Listen. He said, blessed are those who have not seen and but yet believe. Go to Second Peter quickly, everybody. Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. The Bible says that the trial of your faith. Tell your neighbor, said, whatever you're going through, it's not about what you're going through. It is your faith that is on trial. Do you know the reason why you're facing challenges and difficulty? It's only for one purpose. It's to attack your faith. Satan wants to use what you're going through. Are you paying attention, everybody? Please listen to what I'm saying. This is the reason many people struggle with believing God. The reason you're going through challenges is to keep you carnal. You know what it means to be carnal? To be ruled by your senses. Satan wants you to be carnal. To be thinking about natural things. So when you go through crisis, he doesn't want you to believe God. So everything you go through is a test of faith. It's not about what you are going through. It's about shifting your faith from Jesus to what you can do. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Whether it's about believing God for a job, or you're looking for finances, or you're going through one crisis or the other, it is not about, say what me say, it's not about the situation. It's about my faith. It is the test of your faith. The enemy knows this. So the Bible says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perish it, though it be tried with fire, tell your neighbor your faith will be tested. See, God has designed it that in order for our faith to grow in manifestation, glory, and power, it must be what? Tested. You will go through different kind of tests that will find that will you continue to believe him even though you don't see? Would you continue to believe God even though the situation looks like nothing is changing, nothing is happening? Will you stick your ground and say, I believe his word. I don't need any sign. His word is the sign I will have. Will you do that? Because this is what the Bible is saying. It is those faith that are tested and they refuse to budge and they stand. Um, Messiah preached a message years ago, more than 20 years ago, almost 30 years. I watched it on the screen. It says, faith tested is faith triumphant. Faith tested is what? Thomas' faith was tested and he failed. He failed because his reasoning got in the way. You know the reason why many of you have stopped believing God? You have started analyzing what you are going through. And all of a sudden, as you are analyzing, you have analyzed to the point that you have analyzed yourself away from faith. And you are now beginning to say, God has... One day you just sit down. You just say, God, you are not fair. <laughs> That's the problem. You just, you just say, God, you are not fair. Wait till, Wait till. Abba, wait, I'm not trying. That's what's wrong with many people now. Tested, tried with fire, might be found unto praise. Is your faith found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearance of Jesus? Verse 8, everybody. Whom having not seen, 
you love. Hello? You have not seen him, you love him. Why? Because his word says so. What is in whom do now you see not, you see him not, yet what? Believing. Did you see that there? Did you see that in your Bible? Come on, talk to me, somebody. Did you see that? Let's read it again, everybody. Let's read it. What are you guys doing? First Peter. Did I say second Peter? No, it's first Peter. Sorry. What I have here is first Peter. Sorry, not second Peter. The trial of, even when you had me measure travel faith, if you're a Bible student, you will know that I made a mistake. Is that also? Eh? You know I made a mistake. So you go back and check the right one. Is it not so? Because uh-huh. sometimes when you preach, you misquote. But you would say, okay, I know Pastor misquoted. Then you check the right one. That means if I misquote, you too must misquote. Now. So yeah. Okay. Verse 8. Is that in your Bible? He said, of whom, or whom, having not seen, ye love. In whom though now you see him not, yet believing. You see him not, yet believing. When they say, okay, go try this one. Then somebody will go say, if you do one kind of prayer, I say, no, no, no. I have believed him. I am settled. Don't worry. He said, no, it doesn't matter. This is, eh. I have believed him. I am settled. Because when you believe, you get settled. You will not talk like, I know in whom I have believed. The reason why you are going from one corner doing trial lock is because you didn't believe. And when people eventually enter breakthrough, that's the time they believe. Because sometimes, some of the waiting people are going through, they are not waiting in faith. They are waiting in fear and anxiety. It is that moment because if there's going to be a transaction, faith must be there. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So let me say this. Simply put, as I round up, faith is believing or walking in accordance with what God has said about your position and your standing with him. Do you understand that? Let me rewind that. Faith is a it's believing, hallelujah, or walking according to what God has said about your position and standing with him. You don't need to see anything to believe it. The fact that God has enough honor and enough track record that if he tells you a thing, it's enough. Say amen. Except you don't know God. And those who don't really know God, that's why the Bible, God gave you the Bible, the Old Testament, so you read it. When you read it, you see what he has done to inform you of who you are dealing with. Hallelujah. That's why all the testimonies were written there. If you could have done this in time past, and here you are currently daring to believe the same God. The Bible said, Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he didn't fail yesterday, he won't fail today. And if he doesn't fail today, he will not fail forever. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Yeah. Usually those who struggle to believe with are people who don't read their Bible. They don't hear God's word. There's always a quietness, a vacation between them and the word. So after a while, so many reasonings sets in. And as the reasonings are coming, frustration is also coming. 
Because you're not thinking outside the word of God. You're not thinking outside God's ability. You're not thinking outside scriptures. And once you think outside scriptures, you have entered the zone of corruption. Satan's corruption is to make sure that your mind reasons outside the simplicity of Christ. Am I making any sense? Say with me, say the written word of God is enough for me. Say I walk by faith and not by sight. When you walk by faith, you walk according to what God has said about your pos his position, your position with him and your standing with him. You don't walk by your human geography. You're not walking by what is going on in your life. When everything seems to be going well, it doesn't mean that God has all of a sudden decided to, you know, when we use this word, God remembered me. I mean, if you know that that is a very corny word. Eh? Let me deal with this before we pray. Have you ever say, and the Lord remembered me? Ask your neighbor, did God forget you? Does he forget? Answer me now, does he forget? You know what he said in, uh, in Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6? He said, let your life be without covetousness. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So let us analyze that. When you say God remember you, you usually use the word remember for people who are not with you. Is that not so? Is it not true? You are not with me. We're not seeing each other. So maybe because of distance, you can say, you don't forget me now. You day London, I day Nigeria. You know they come again. That means you don't forget me. No. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How can the one who never leaves you forget you? He uses two strong words. I will not leave you nor forsake. On a level in English language, they seem to mean the same thing, but they are not. In the Greek, the word I will not leave you gives you the idea that God will not abandon you. That's the word leave. Are you listening to me? Then the word forsake means I am permanently tied to you. I'm not going anywhere. Are you listening to me? God says, I want to abandon you. I am connected to you. Then he says, so you may say, the Lord is my helper. What is is? Present continuous tense. It's not just present tense. It's present continuous tense. Meaning he's, all, he's not just your helper. He is always your helper. Anytime you will need his help, he's always there to help you. So whenever we say, and God remember, you know when people give this, it's very, very religious. And there's a way they can just pack all of us into it. Everybody, brothers and sisters, God has remembered me. Remember. And train all of us in unbelief. Hey, God has finally shined. Oh, he has smiled on me. Was he frowning before? He wasn't frowning before now. It is the way you were thinking that made God look like he left you. You had, there was a corruption, a virus in your thinking that told you God left you. He didn't leave you. Why did you think you survived what you survived? Because he was always there. Who can be closer to you than God? No matter how much your husband or your parents love you, they can't be with you for 24 hours. But God is always with you. As a matter of fact, you live inside him. Rise up on your feet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In the second service, we're going to go deeper into that. And you're going to learn 
why faith is operating according to your position and your standing with God. When we say we walk by faith, what do we mean? It means we walk by our position and our standing with God. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.